0: What I think GDPR is saying is the whole bribe to subscribe thing is now over. You can't bribe me to subscribe to your list. There has to be some more volition on my part as an audience. You can offer me the benefits, but I need to choose to Mm -hmm. be on your list. I think that's right.
1: Yeah, I think that's the way it works. And I mean, it is right. So consent is talks about it needs to be voluntary, freely given mm. consent. And so A, it has to be granular. So consent for one thing is not consent for another. So that's the other piece that, you know, consent to get right. my freebie is not consent to put me on your mailing list. Right. Hi, this is Joe Polizzi with the Content Marketing Institute. And you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com.
0: Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey, this is Ash Roy, the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to episode 160. You can access the show notes at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 160. And today we have some very valuable information for you. It's about the GDPR or the General Data Protection Regulation that takes effect from the 25th of May 2018. This will apply to you even if your business is not based in the EU, but you have customers in the EU. And chances are this regulation could be rolled out into other countries as well, given the most recent Facebook fiasco that we've seen go down. So I recommend you get a pen and paper out, or if you're driving, make a mental note to go back to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 160 to access the show notes, because today's guest, Bobby Klink, who's a Harvard Law graduate, shares some very valuable insights on how to navigate around these new GDPR requirements. If you find this content useful, please share it with somebody else that you think would benefit. And you might wanna check out the related episodes mentioned in this podcast, which are episodes 140, which you can access at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 140, and episode 145 with Amy Porterfield, which you can access at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 145. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Productive Insights podcast. Bobby Klink is an intellectual property lawyer, but he's not your typical lawyer. Sure, he went to Harvard Law School and worked at some of the most prestigious firms in the country, but if you look at the big whiteboard in his office, you won't see much about the law at all. His whiteboard is filled with tasks related to platform building, inbound marketing, and sales funnels, stuff that I absolutely love. Bobby is a full-fledged online entrepreneur whose area of expertise happens to be the law. He helps other online entrepreneurs safeguard their online businesses. I'd love to welcome Bobby Klink from youronlinegenius.com. Welcome, Bobby.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and and talk about a subject that uh, is near and dear to my heart these
0: days. Great to have you on the show, man. And as it turns out, I've actually had somebody else from Harvard on the show before in episodes. 142 and 143, we talked about the power of the unfocused mind and he was a assistant professor of psychiatry. So that was a very interesting wow. conversation. And we talked about the power of actually not focusing for periods of time to build creativity. And I've been experimenting with that lately. I really do believe in minimalism and so on. And Steve Jobs was a big believer in that too. He, In fact, he was a Buddhist. It really has made a big difference. Uh, but that's an aside. So I first heard of you, Bobby, on Amy Porterfield's podcast. And I'd like to just acknowledge that because I love her podcast. And I, Mm -hmm. I think that you gave some great value in that episode. And I thought to myself, I must get Bobby to come and speak to my audience as well. So here we are. And I can't wait to get into it. What we're here to talk about today is something called GDPR. And I'd love for you to introduce the topic to us and tell us what it means and why should the person listening right now pay attention to this topic? How does it affect him or her as a business? Okay.
1: Yeah, great. So the GDPR, it it stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. It's a new privacy law. And I say new, it's actually not new. It's been on the books, uh, I think for a couple of years, but it goes into effect on May 25th of this year. And it's a pretty broad law that that applies to how data, personal data is collected, stored, used, even destroyed. And so it has implications for a lot of different businesses. There's big problems for the, the big guys like Google and Facebook. It's just gonna create a bunch of extra, or a bunch of work for them to protect data of people. But it applies to a typical business owner in a different way, which is we're all collecting emails. And yeah. when you're collecting emails, you are collecting personal data. And so we have to think about it and make sure we're complying and the GDPR changes what we have to do and how we have to collect email addresses to use for marketing purposes. And, you know, I think you're, you're down in Australia, I'm in the States, so we're not in Europe. Yeah. And so we might think, oh, well, it doesn't apply to us, but it right. does it because does. we're collecting emails and selling and doing all those things to people in Europe. And so for folks outside of Europe, like you and me, it applies to how we're collecting that data and storing that data for people in Europe. So it's a big deal. Um, some people didn't focus on it. And, you know, I don't want to say that, that they would come after me or you and, and find us this way. But you can be fined like, up to 20 million euro or yes. I think it's four, 4% of your annual revenue or turnover. And so that's a big deal. So we need to be paying attention and doing this right. I mean, not to mention we should also want to follow the law right, and make sure right. we're doing things the right way. So... Right. It's a big deal and we need to be focusing on it because we have, you know, as we're recording this, you know, 22 days until it goes into effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the spirit of the legislation because I've done a little bit of research and my understanding is that it's really trying to get us to do the right thing, which we really should be doing anyway, and that is... Be a little bit ethical and reasonable about how you collect data. Don't collect more data than you need. Don't keep it for longer than you need it. When you collect data for a certain reason, use it for that reason. So don't collect somebody's email address for one thing and then start sending them content about something completely unrelated, which is just Mm -hmm. annoying. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they probably won't open the email anyway, and it'll affect your deliverability rates as well. So, I mean, that's basically the spirit of the law. And my understanding is, is that it's been around for a little while, but it really, the, the, the penny drops or the shoe drops on the 25th of May. So that's right. It, we need to become compliant. The other point I wanted to really make it clear to the listener is this applies to you even if you don't live in the European Union, because people may be visiting your site from the European Union, even if your website is based in Australia or the United States. And moreover, it is conceivable, given the most recent Facebook fiasco that has happened, that this may be rolled out in the United States anyway. So this is a great opportunity to get compliant, to clean up your data, and start being a little bit more conscientious about how you use the data and how you process the data, which is the term they use in the regulation. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think the spirit of the law is definitely good. I mean, part of what this the law is about is we should have transparency. You should know what your data is being used for, and you should know, you know, what people are storing, why they're storing it, and all of those things. Now, as a lawyer, it kind of it kind of drives me nuts because there are things in it that that you expect me to drive to drive me nuts. I mean, it's a two hundred and sixty one page law, or yes. <laughs> thereabouts <laughs> in in the version I got. So you know, it's a lot to get through. Yeah. You know, and there are things in there that just make it difficult in some ways for online businesses to do do business. And there's a couple of big issues here on email collection where, and it really depends on your market. But my market is other online entrepreneurs, right? So every online entrepreneur knows, hey, if you sign up for one of my freebies, I'm going to add you to my marketing list. I mean, just everybody knows that. And so there's been this unspoken deal about that for, I don't know, probably five, 10 years now that that's the way it works. But, under the GDPR, that doesn't work anymore. Right. Under the GDPR, you can't just add someone to your list because they signed up for a lead magnet or a freebie or anything like that. You have to get a separate consent to add them to your to your email list, which again, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think you're going to have lower rates of people signing up, yep, but you'll probably have a more engaged audience as a result because they want. They they have affirmatively said yes. I want you to send me your updates. And I don't know about you, but you know I'm getting fifteen to twenty percent open rates on my list. And you know if I had a smaller list, but was getting fifty percent open rates, that would be just as good with me. So um, it's a trade off.
0: I recently interviewed a guy called Andre Chaperon. I think episode one forty, and he gets about seventy percent open rates in his emails. And that is partly because he doesn't do broadcast emails as a rule. I recommend you ha- check out the episode. He uses autoresponder sequences, and he actually has a tagging system. So, you know, in his emails, he might mention certain topics. And if you click on certain topics, it tags you in the background, and then it shoots you off into this other s- of what he calls soap opera sequences, which is mm-hmm. basically sequences with open loops at the end of it. So you kind of get hooked onto it, but it's relevant content. And That's the key word here, relevance. As long as you are able to be relevant to your audience, that's a good thing. And to come back to your point about open rates, you know, I see email open rates and email list size as being analogous to traffic and conversion. Like people say, oh, I I have a traffic problem. And I always think, no, you don't. You have a conversion problem because I would rather have five viewers on my website, all of whom can engage. And buy my products then five million viewers none of whom actually buy anything from me what's the point right so it's the same with email open rates and click-through rates and so on size of list doesn't matter if it's not engaged
1: yeah so i have a couple of thoughts there one i agree with you wholeheartedly on on that concept and people always think i'm i don't want to say think i'm crazy but when i give them my opt-in rates and my conversion rates on especially when i do ads they're blown away i mean (laughs) because to me if i have a conversion rate on an, on an opt-in, on a freebie opt-in of below 60%, I'm like, well, what's wrong? Something's wrong here. Well, that is pretty good. Um, yeah. And that's just how I, I have built my system. I use ads that, you know, by the time they land on my opt-in page, they're sold on, you know, they okay. know what they're going to get and they're sold. And so I would rather do that, direct the traffic that really cares about. Yeah. But I do want to go back to your, to your your concept about tagging and, and, and all of those things. And that's great, but you got to be careful under the GDPR. Ah, I'm so glad you mentioned that tagging someone in your system is putting personally identifiable data. You are tracking their behavior. So you have to tell them, but if you're doing that, you have to tell them that you're going to be doing that. And and again, you don't have to tell them, Hey, if you click this one link, I'm going to do X, but you have to tell them, you know, that we will, you know, monitor the things you click and tailor our messages and our promotions based on that because that is putting identification and kind of sure, tracking behavior. Sure. And when you're doing that, that's covered by the GDPR.
0: Well, I'm so glad I mentioned that because now I'm going to do that. So um, I, I assume the way I get the consent for that is on the, and we'll talk about this in a minute. I heard you talk about the sandwich page and all that, and we'll go into that in a minute. But in that page, wherever I'm getting that consent, I assume I would need to say, by the way, by consenting here, you are affirmatively... Consenting to being tracked in terms of your interests, so that we can bring you more relevant content. Well, and so what I would say is,
1: the, the GDPR says that there are certain things you have to inform someone when you're collecting their data, right? And um, and the consent has to be affirmative or affirmative, freely given, and, and all of these other things. I it's not 100% clear, but my best view and my best understanding is the way you disclose all that kind of stuff, because if you think about it, there would be way too much information <laughs> right. to disclose on a page is you build a privacy policy. We should all have privacy policies okay. on our website anyway. And so you put it in there and anywhere where you're asking for consent, you need to have a statement that says, you know, we will, you know, use your data, store it, et cetera, it, you know, consistent with our privacy policy right. and put a hyperlink so someone can go and look at it. Now, you and I both know, I mean, outside of lawyers like (laughs) me, I don't want to say nobody, but, you know, less than 1% of people are ever going to click on that uh, privacy policy, but it's available to them. Um, And, you know, you can't possibly put all of that information on a page or, you know, it's going to end up looking like legal gobbledygook and nobody's going to want to opt in. Um, so that, that's how I think you do it. You just put a link to a privacy policy where you disclose all that stuff. You disclose that you, yeah. you know, if you use cookies, you disclose that you have the Facebook pixel, gotcha. I'm sure on your website, those kinds of things as well.
0: It's a bit like when you sign up for, in you know, a new version of Apple's software, you yep. agree on terms and yep. no one reads the terms, but the terms are there. <laughs> and by virtue of the fact that you've clicked on agree, it is understood that you have agreed to those terms and you've read everything. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and that's right. And that's, that's what's called a click wrap. And it's, it's, that's why I always <laughs> tell wrap. people,
1: you got you to gotta have them click a button. And if they click a button, so especially when you're selling something, that's off the GDPR t- topic. But I always tell people, if you're selling something online, get them to click something saying they agree to your terms of use, because Great. that way you have an agreement, even whether they read it or not, they've agreed to it.
0: You know, Bobby, this almost sounds like we need to have another conversation about general business protection. I think that would be a very valuable conversation. But let's bring it back to the GDPR thing. So GDPR takes effect on the 25th of May, 2018. And I'm going to rush this episode through to the front of the queue and get it published sooner than later so that we can get this out to our listeners. We've touched on the consequences of not complying, although that doesn't mean the minute you don't comply, you're going to end up with millions of dollars in, in right. fines. It just means it could be up to that much, but yep. let's talk about the more important stuff. And that is what we can do right now to get compliant. I loved what you shared in Amy's episode. You had concrete steps. Well, well. so let me back up. I mean, I think
1: um, for the typical business, for the typical entrepreneur, you need to be thinking about your email list. That's where this applies. There's some other things but the emails are the big, the big picture that you really have to be doing. And, and an important concept to understand is that the rules of, of the GDPR apply to your existing list, yes. not just people whose emails you're collecting in the future. So I like to think we kind of have uh, two things we have to be doing. First, you have to think about uh, your existing list uh-huh. and getting your existing list GDPR compliant. And then the second part is what are you going to do going forward? So okay. let me start with what to do with your existing list. Uh-huh. So people like you and I who are not, we're not in the EU. So for us, we actually only have to comply with the GDPR going forward, or not? Yes. Com- I mean, sorry, with people in the EU. Yes. So we don't, we don't have to be GDPR GDPR compliant with folks in the states, in Canada, in Australia, in New Zealand, anywhere besides the European Union. Uh-huh. So But for anyone in the European Union, we have to make sure that we have a GDPR compliant consent. Okay. And that means they have been told, hey, I want to put you on my marketing email list. Do you want to be on it? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, I I can't show that I did that with my current list because my current list, they signed up to a freebie. That's how they got on it. Yeah. So what what I'm doing is I'm segmenting my list to the extent possible. People who I know are in the United States or Australia or some other country that is not in the EU, I'm putting aside because they're fine. I don't have to do anything with them. Uh Everybody else, so people I can't identify where they're from or people who are in the EU, I'm going to be doing a re-engagement campaign to try to get them Uh to give me the right consent before May 25th. Yep. and. The way I'm doing that is first of all, I'm going above and beyond in terms of free stuff to my entire list. I'm giving away more freebies, just just sending it to them. No opt-in, just giving it to them right now, giving them more valuable content. I put together some extra trainings that I've i sent them access to, said, hey, you know, this might be useful. The point is to get people engaged and saying, hey, this guy's giving me some great value right now. And then I'm going to start sending emails to the people who are in the EU or who I don't know where they are and say, Hey, just so you know, come May 25th, if you don't opt in, I have to stop sending you emails. I love and it. I'm going to do it in a, I'm gonna do it in a series of emails. You know, first it's going to be soft. Then it's going to get more and more and said, Hey, you know, I'm going to delete you. And I, it's because the trick is going to be get them to open the email yes. and say, yeah. And so that's what I'm doing right now, between now and May 25th is just try to get as many people to say yes to just a clean opt in that they want to be on my newsletter mailing list going forward. And anybody who doesn't opt in, who is in that second category, I'm deleting on May 24th. They will be out of my database altogether, not just unsubscribed. I'm going to delete their data so I don't have it and I'm not storing it. So okay. that's my advice on what to do in the past. And, and if any of your listeners are themselves in the EU, they have to do this with every single person in their database.
0: Even yep. if their people are not in the EU.
1: Yep. People, marketers who are in the EU have to comply with the GDPR for every person in their database. Even if they have me in their database, you in their database. So they have a much bigger task than we do. They've got to do this and they have this problem that they're potentially going to lose say 70, 80% of their existing list, which I mean, that would hurt. Um, you know, luckily when I did my, did my segmenting about 65%, are, are fine. I don't have to worry about. Yeah. So I'm only having to worry about that 35% of my list. And quite honestly, if I lose 35% of my list, who doesn't open my emails anyway, eh, I don't really care. But if yeah. I lost 80%, That'd it hurt. would be a bad day.
0: So how did you segment it? Did you use your email provider? And by the way, I, my understanding is all that email providers, we need to ensure our GDP are compliant. And that's our responsibility as business owners. Is that right?
1: It, it is. Yes. So we, I mean, we're responsible for what they do with our data. Yes. Um, again, a bigger issue for people in Europe, people in the European union marketers, they have to literally get a like sign compliant statement from all of their providers. Those of us outside don't have to, but we should make sure we're using, um, folks who are compliant now to your bigger question. Yes. Most of the email service providers have now rolled out the the ability to segment, and I, what they're using is IP address location. Okay, that's not perfect. I mean, I'm, let me right. be honest. We all know that's not perfect. There right. can be a VPN that's that's hiding it, exactly. Or maybe someone signed up while they're in the U.S., but they're actually in Europe. But I, I think if if we make a good faith effort, no one in the European Union is going to come after. us. So it's not a big deal if if we have a couple of people that is are you know messed up that way. My problem is my legacy list, I have two different providers. One of them has rolled out this capability to segment, and right. I did it for them. The other one has not. They right. have the data. I could see it in my contact that they've got the IP address, but they have yeah. not yet rolled out my ability to actually segment that right. or even to export that data, Right, which is a problem. Um, but I've been pushing them. but So that's what most of them done. Like uh, ConvertKit, I know, does it. Uh, I think I heard from somebody that MailChimp has rolled it out. So a lot of the email service providers have already rolled this out. I've recently moved over to Kartra, which is new, got, a new kit yes. on the block. And they, they have the capability built in from day one. So that's how they're doing it. You can just sort by location. And it's, I think, all done by IP addresses.
0: Right. Uh, I use ActiveCampaign, which I absolutely love. And I actually reached out to them today after listening to your episode with Amy, and they pointed me to some standard reams of information, Mm -hmm. uh, which I obviously didn't go through. But I do know that in my active campaign, I can tell which city they're from. And I assume Mm -hmm. that that is their way of telling me where a person is based. Now, tell me, if you do, as you said, a good faith effort, a best efforts Mm -hmm. effort, does the EU then kind of say, okay, well, look, you know, you've made an effort. I can, we can see that you've done the best you can. So we're not going to string you up. I mean, when you look as with anything else, when you look at,
1: you know, the regulations and the ability to impose fines, there are a lot of factors. And one of them is, you know, basically how, you know, was it negligent or were you, you know, a bad actor? And did you take good faith steps (laughs) is something that would obviously come in there. And again, first of all, I don't think the EU is coming after you or me. They're interested in the Googles of the world, the the Facebooks of the world, and then the bad actors who are, you know, uh, spamming and just doing horrible, horrible practices. So I don't think we have to worry about it. Someone actually coming after us, number one. But someone could complain. And so that's another way that something could happen. But they would have to show how they're harmed. And how is someone harmed realistically if they get an email from me and there's a button there that says unsubscribe. So they could unsubscribe any day. Yeah. They could write me and say, take me out of your database <clears throat> and I would do it. Yeah. So I, I think the rea- the realities are that they can't require us to do something that's technologically impossible. And the law only says we have to do it with respect to people in the EU. Yeah. And so I'm using IP addresses and like I said I mean, my market should be in the US anyway. That's the people who should be signing yeah. up. Although I have to admit, since I started talking about GDPR, I'm getting a lot more people from the European <laughs> Union on my list because I think they want to learn about this. I, I think if you're, if you're good and make a good faith effort, you don't have to worry that the EU is going
0: to come after you. Now, I don't want to make a guarantee. They still could. They could come after you, but I don't think they're going to. Sure. I did contracts law when I was doing my undergrad. I do understand the, the concept of negligence and you know, keeping within the spirit of the agreement. And I agree, I don't think that you and I would be low-hanging fruit for the guys that these people be going after. So coming back to your point about the Googles of the world, if we are collecting Google Analytics data, how does that play out? Because if you have a website and you have Google Analytics on it, guess what? You're processing data. So what's the deal on that? Well, so the good
1: news is that the only data that's a problem is if it's personal data or can be linked to a particular person. And so what Google has said, first of all, you should not be collecting any personally identifiable data under that general term under Google Analytics uh, analytics, under their terms of agreement. You can't use their system to do that. There are are two exceptions, though. IP addresses are considered uh, personal data under the GDPR. So what Google ha- has said is there's a way, and I'm I, I always have a tough time pronouncing this word to anonymize or uh, yeah. anonymization I think yeah. where basically what they do is they zero out the last three numbers in the IP address mm-hmm. so that it's not linked to a particular person. You're still okay. getting pretty good uh, location data and all that, yeah. so you can turn that on within Google Analytics. So you should do that. And okay. then the second way is if there are some people if you have certain forms where like someone um, fills out a form and then hits submit, yeah. that then it's going to send them to a URL and the URL will have um, some of the information they entered on the form in the URL. Okay. None of my forms do that. But that that would be the only other way because Google Analytics would then capture that URL. And so you have to be careful about that. That would be the only other way. If you're doing that, just search for that. There, there are some blog posts out about how to avoid oh that problem going forward. So that, those are really the only problems with Google Analytics and they're not real problems. Okay. You don't have to worry about it as long as you do it. But you do need to disclose that you're using Google Analytics okay. on your website, which you, know, you should do that in your in privacy calls.
0: policy. Gotcha. Are you saying that we should go and anonymize our Google Analytics? That, that's the, the best. Yeah,
1: that's the best advice that's that best you should practice. do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's best practice. And you know, you, you can search again. I'm not technically savvy enough to explain how to do I, it. I did it. For my own site, but I haven't managed, you know, I couldn't explain it to you, yeah. but you can just search about how to do that. Or, sure. you know, you can just search Google Analytics GDPR okay. and you'll find, you'll find some stuff on that.
0: Okay. That's a good action step. So Google Analytics GDPR. Okay. Now let's get to the most interesting part, unless there's something else that you would like to share. I'd like to talk about specific action steps that we can take right now to gain this affirmative consent from mm-hmm. our audience and you talked a bit about you know either having a tick box where they actually have to tick on the box or a drop down option or have a sandwich page between when they enter the email address and they get the confirmation i think so could you talk yeah. to us about those things Yeah. So this is for for emails you're collecting going forward. What do you have to do to
1: get the right consent? And so again, you kind of have a couple of options. Number one, you could just go back to the old days and say, hey, sign up for my newsletter. But that's not a good marketing practice because people aren't going to do it. So instead, what I've come up with, and I think most of the marketers I've talked to about this agree, this is the way to do it. You're still going to use freebies and lead magnets and things like that. And and on the opt-in page, you cannot require them to consent to be on your email list as a condition of getting the freebie. If you right. do that, the consent is not freely given. So you have to find a way to get them to say on their own, yes, I want to be on your mailing list as well. So it, it really depends on where you are and what your audience is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've come up with kind of four different points along the way where yeah. you could try to get that consent. Yeah. The first one is on the opt-in page itself. Now you could put an extra checkbox or a drop-down menu where they have to say yes or no. Yeah. For me, if I were going to do it, I would use the drop-down menu. The reason why is on my system, I can require them to answer a question on a checkbox, a yes or no. Unfortunately, my system would let them check both boxes. And uh-huh. I would not want them to check yes and no. I mean, <laughs> hopefully that wouldn't happen very often, but someone might do that. But but my point is. I think you can force them to answer the question. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that under the GDPR. Require them to say yes or no, whether they want to be on your mailing list. Okay. And you want to figure out how you can do that within your system. With me, I can do a drop down menu and I would be cheeky about it because that's kind of how I am in in marketing my brand. So I wouldn't say, do you want to be on my email list? I would say, you know, hey, you know, do you want to be like the other, you know, awesome entrepreneurs who keep getting, you know, and I would do something like that. And then yeah. the, the yes would be, of course, I'm awesome. And the no would be, no, I'm lame or, you know, something <laughs> like that, to, you know, kind of make them think, but something like that on the opt-in page is an option, right? Make them make a choice. Yes or no. Do they want to be on your email list? So that's option number one. Option number two, you called a sandwich page, which is what I called it. I didn't have a better word for it, (laughs) but if you're familiar with sales funnels, think of it as kind of like a one-click upsell page that is between the opt-in and the confirmation page. Mm-hmm. And the only purpose of this page is to sell them on the value of being on your email list and get them to click a button to say, yes, I want to be on it. Right. So, and in doing this, what I, what I want to say is, I think because it's pretty clear that you can't say you have to sign up for my mailing list to get this freebie. Yeah. I think you also can't say, hey, or, or I wouldn't say, hey, if you sign up for my mailing list, I'm going to right now send you these five things because to me, that's the exact same thing. But instead, what I would say to them is, hey, you know, I'd like you to join my mailing list. Here's some of the stuff I've, I do. And, and you would lay it out and you would say, I give my um, people on my list exclusive access to freebies that I come out with. And I might even say, for example, I just recently gave them a copy of XYZ, some other great freebie That isn't what the person just signed up for, right? So they're starting to see, oh, okay, so I would get a lot of good stuff being on this email list, and I would talk about that I get best prices, best promotions, best discounts to people on my list, et cetera, which is all true. Hmm. But think of it as as a sales page, but just a quick, you know, highlight bullet point sales page. Ask them to say yes or no, and again, make clear no matter what they say, they're getting the freebie, but that you think, um, you know, you'd like to do this, and so that's the sandwich page. They're going to click yes or no. Your system is going to track it, and then they'll go to the um, confirmation page. So that's the second option. The third option uh, is in the delivery email because you can still use email to deliver the freebie. There's no problem with that. That's mm-hmm. allowed. And so this the, this third option is you basically have a, a in your delivery email you deliver it. You talk about how great they are. Say in my case, I would say, hey, you know, this is a big deal. It shows me you really care about uh, getting legal protection in place for your business, you know, and then I would kind of transition for that. And since you're someone who cares about that, I think you might like to be on my mailing list. And again, I would go through and sell them on the benefits and explain, Hey, how am I going to help them? Yeah. What are they going to get? And then I would, you know, again, cite so on all these places, I'm going to give them a link to my privacy policy, but I would ask them to click a button. Um, and depending on how your system works, like with active campaign, I think if someone clicks that button, it can, You can just automatically tag them as a yes Yes, you can yeah Um, and my system i could do that or i could send them to a um send them to um uh, just send them to another Mm opt-in the problem is i have to be careful in my system because you can build in delays but say after like whatever the delay period the sequence ends so if they were to click on it after that delay period ends my system would not tag them i think as having clicked right, on it right. so i'm probably just going to send them to another opt in page where they would just opt in again yeah. Yeah. so that's the third option and then the fourth and we should probably just do this anyway is add a paragraph at the end of our lead magnets that just yeah. you know talks about hey you know you know this is just one example of what i do i got a lot of other great stuff which i give to people on my mailing list click here if you'd like to join And that, because it's going to be a PDF or whatever, it needs to just send them to an opt-in page and you would get them to opt in there. So those are kind of the four options I've come up with. Um, And again, how you implement them, you have to decide for your audience, number one, and it depends on where you are. Yeah, I don't think you should use the opt-in and the sandwich page because that would be a bit obnoxious, right? (laughs) You just asked them, they said no, and then they're going to go to another page. Now, what I would say is, if your audience are people who are used to going through sales funnels where they have to click through 18 upsells or downsells before they get the yes, maybe it's okay. Maybe it won't bother them.
0: Yeah.
1: My audience isn't even though they're entrepreneurs, aren't necessarily those kind of entrepreneurs who are used to that yeah. um, click funnels and and those kinds of things. So
0: I was just thinking of Russell Brunson when he was saying that. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and again, so for some people it would not be a problem, right? I mean, yeah. they wouldn't be annoyed by, you know, you know, saying no and then having to say no again yeah. because it, they've gotten used to it. But a lot of audiences, I think, would be like, would be you know kind of upset about it. Yeah, yeah right. So I, I wouldn't want to do it for them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, So, you know, that's, so I would choose one of those two, no more than one of those two. And then I would use the other two. Um, but what I would say okay. is, here's another important piece. If you're in the United States, if you're in Australia, if you're anywhere besides the European Union, you don't have to do this for people who are not in the European Union.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you want to get the highest number of opt-ins to your list, what I would suggest is you don't do any of this until you can segment based on location. And within my system, I cannot show a different opt-in page based upon the IP location. Right. So I won't use that because let's, let's think about it this way. Legally, as far as I can tell, if I did this whole process and people were in the United States, I could still put them onto my mailing list even if they said no. Hmm. But I wouldn't want to. Right. I mean, it would be bad marketing. And so, and what I'll tell you is there might be people who actually would get value from being on my mailing list and might be valuable to have on my mailing list in the future. And I go through a couple of promotions a year. But other than that, my mailing list is I notify people of my podcast on a weekly basis. I send out an email, email telling them, Hey, here's the latest thing. Here's who I interviewed. Here's what we talk about. It's a great episode. You might want to give it a listen. Huh. And so I kind of feel like, you know, providing that to them is a service and I'm not hurting them in any way, shape or form. So I'd like to get them on my mailing list. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the first two steps. I'm just going to do it on the email delivery sequence for me personally, okay. because of my market. 95% of the people I get signing up normally are actually outside of this GDPR time are coming from the US anyway. Okay. And so I, I'm just going to do it on the back end personally.
0: Okay. I've got two questions. The first question is... How likely is this to get rolled out to the US, in your opinion? And the second question, which is a bit more involved, and I'll ask it before I forget it, is on the second option in the sandwich page, you said you can't say, hey, um, grab, if you sign up to my mailing list, then you can get these six things. But yet you can say, here are the benefits of signing to my mailing list. I have a sense that there is something to do with affirmative consent there. So can you explain that? Can you draw that out a bit more?
1: Yeah, and let me be clear. It's not clear what you can and can't do there. But right. so, so the, the, the GDPR, and again, what I'll tell you is there are a couple of lawyers out there who are telling people, and their opinion is, that you still can add people to your mailing list based upon them signing up for a freebie if you tell them that you're going to do that. There's language, though, in the GDPR where it says, in determining whether consent is freely given, utmost consideration will be given, to, And what it says, ultimately, is basically whether you require them to consent as a condition of some other contract where they didn't Uh need to give consent for. And so I read that. I mean, as a lawyer, I've literally never seen the phrase utmost consideration in a regulation or a law. So that to me says... It's not an absolute rule, but it's pretty darn close to an absolute rule. Right. Um, so I don't think that's allowed. Yeah. Now, I agree with you. It's hard then to say, well, where is the line? Yeah. Because obviously when you're talking about your mailing list, you're going to be talking about the benefits. You're going to yeah. have to sell them on the benefits and say, hey, here's the thing. In my mind, I can see a distinction between saying as a general matter, here are the kinds of things right. that I give you. Versus saying, here are five very specific things you will get right now if you sign up. Because let's go back to that first issue. I could give them those five things right now yeah. without them consenting to be on my mailing list. Because uh-huh. I could just give them those five things.
0: Right, right. Gotcha. So,
1: so in a sense, if I say, but I'm only going to give you those five things if you agree <laughs> to be on my mailing list, it almost seems the same way. So I think it's more in the presentation of it, not as "Hey, here are these very specific things I'm going to give you now," but instead just talking about "Here are the kinds of things that you will get over time being on my list," because that is in fact what they're going to get. So I think that's a distinction. I've 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 actually had this discussion with an entrepreneur who at first was like, "Okay, I get it," and she's like, "No, I I don't buy it anymore." And what I'll tell you is the lines aren't clear in the GDPR. Yeah. Um. You know, you could maybe that second of saying hey i'm gonna give you these five things right now
0: yeah
1: i'm just you know i, I want to try to stay away f- a little bit further from the line personally um,
0: i see what you mean and- i see what you mean it's a little bit it's, it smacks of arm twisting doesn't it when you say like yeah. hey I, I mean basically what we're saying or what i think gdpr is saying is the whole bribe to subscribe thing is now over you know yeah. you can't bribe me to subscribe to your list there has to be some more volition on my yep. part as a as an audience, you can offer me the benefits, but I need to choose to mm-hmm. be on I your list. I think that's list. right.
1: Yeah, I think that's the way it works. And I mean, it is. Right. So consent is talks about it needs to be voluntary, freely given mm-hmm. consent. And so, and that's why when I read it, I say, you know, it, it has to be granular. So consent for one thing is not consent for another. So that's the other piece that, you know, consent to get right. my freebie is not consent to put me on your mailing list. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. And that's why I say now we have to go back to sell them on the benefits of our mailing list. And so, um, but the point is you use the, you use the freebie to kind of get them in to make the sale because you yes. haven't, you've got to, <laughs> you know, draw them in in the first place. So that's why right, you do right. it. And so I think that's right. I mean, I think that's the, how we have to think about
0: it. So you use um, the freebie to win the opportunity to offer them the benefits of signing up to your list.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, for people that you have to comply with the GDPR again, then for people in the States who are or in Australia who are marketing to people in states in Australia, I mean, there's a whole separate issue that you can continue to just use the freebie to get them on your list. And so, you know, that has value in and of itself. And, And what I'll tell you is there are people who are on my list who have bought from me. Who I did not, you know, they just got a me at some point. And say six months later, a year later, they saw something I was offering and they bought. So yeah. there is value as a business owner, as an entrepreneur of continuing to add people to your list. So sure. there's definitely value
0: there. Okay. Now, and the first question.
1: Yeah. So let me go to that. Um, you know, it's hard to say, I mean, trying to predict what, what the U S Congress and a president is going to do is, is, always very hard. Um, it, it's always hard. Um, it's harder now because our politics gets stranger and stranger. But what I would tell you is we are the wild, wild West among kind of the civil, you know, marketing world in the sense that in the U.S., I can still add people to my list without their consent. Oh really? Under can's yeah under can spam, I don't have to have consent for a U.S. citizen. I just have to give them the option to, to opt out. I mean, wow. it's horrible practice, and it's not going to do you any good. But ironically, what I'll tell you is the worst people about this are are, are lawyers. I go to these events, like networking events, with other lawyers, and <laughs> you know, I, I get added on LinkedIn, which is fine. Yeah. But then I like they got my business card, they add me to their mailing list, and I'm like, I didn't, <laughs> what what no, <laughs> I, and you know it's. It has nothing to do with my practice area or anything. So I'm like, no, thank you. I'm done. Right. Um, but so that's why people are worried about it. I don't think this piece will come in. I think we may have some more regulations of the Facebooks of the world. Okay. Um, but it, it does scare me to death when I listen to congressional hearings like about. You know, in the, it, not in this Facebook, but it was a while back. I actually um used to work with the guy who is now the general counsel of Facebook, so I knew him. And he was he was appearing in Congress. I was like, oh, I got to watch this. And watching members of Congress try to ask questions about online marketing scared <laughs> me to
0: death. Uh, I I agree. I was I was watching some of the questions they were asking Zach, and it was hilarious. Right, because they have like they just think it's <laughs> crazy that you can track all these things, and and me.
1: You know, and, and I know a lot of users have some of these concerns, but I say, well, wouldn't you rather see an ad that's actually related yeah. to what you do instead? And by the way, you can have less ads if they're more related to you because you're more likely to click. And so the business can make money. But, you know, so it does scare me thinking about that. So I, I hope that Facebook comes around and, and kind of does some self-regulation and, and yes. makes tight up on its own because they actually know what they're doing. And hopefully that will allay the concerns. But I just don't see the, the – I don't see the U.S. Congress taking action on this issue. There are other issues, though, like California, for example, might as a state do it. And yeah. then we would really have to start complying with them as well. Yeah. And the reason I use them as an example is they were – I think back in two thousand or 2004, they passed um, the California Online Privacy Protection Act, which required a privacy policy. Right. So, in the U.S., basically, you've had to have a privacy policy because California requires it. Yeah. And so, if you have visitors from California. So, um, there may be a state that does it, but I don't see it coming anytime soon.
0: But the Canadian CANSPAM Act, I believe, is quite stringent. It is, but it's not the same, because you can have implied consent under
1: the Canadian rule. Um, It doesn't have to be the same kind of thing. So, you know, under the Canadian thing, I think, you you know, my best understanding of the Canadian law, as long as someone consents, you're fine. If you tell them, I'm going to add you to my mailing list, if you get this freebie, you can do that. Okay. You can't do that under the GDPR. So that's kind of the big change the GDPR is is, is doing on this, that you can no longer use your freebie. So for example, right now, a lot of big name entrepreneurs, you know, and I think this is because they were worried about castle. They've done this. They have a thing. You click on a box to download a freebie and it pops up a box. It says, you know, click here. I'm going to add you to my mailing list. And if you don't <laughs> click it, you can't get the freebie, yeah. but that's not okay under the GDPR. You know, I think yeah. Amy talked about that. That's the way her system works right now. She's changing it. But, yeah. um, so that's kind of the, the Canadian law dealing with it, but GDPR is much more stringent.
0: Well, it's very interesting to think about the impact this will have on, say, something like the launch model, which relies on, you know, having gazillion affiliates share their mailing lists with each other, because you can't share mailing lists anymore according to the GDPR regulation, can you?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, not unless you got consent. I mean, again, you could still so you can do the launch model with affiliates, where, for example, and and that you have to spell out. So, if, if someone's going to a webinar they need to understand whose mailing list they're signing up for. Um, But I could be your affiliate. I could send my list to your webinars and then, you know, you would have to deal with making sure, you know, unless you're going to share the email list back with me after you collect it, um, you would be that. Now it does complicate things slightly in that I probably want to track and make sure, Hey, you know, did, you know, how many of my people bought, but I think there are ways to do that in kind of an anonymous world as long as we're all using reputable service providers along the way. And I think if you're using reputable service providers, it's not going to be a problem because all these systems are going to do all the tracking for us. I don't need to know the names of people. I, you know, I'm going to believe that ClickFunnels or Kartra or all these systems, you know, are, are being honest when they say how many of my, my, how much of my traffic actually converted for you. So.
0: Okay. All right. So let's talk about the elephant in the room and that is the, The fact that this probably sounds overwhelming to most people who are listening, it certainly was to me when I first heard about it. So is that the biggest challenge you've seen when it comes to GDPR or have you seen any other challenges people have faced when it comes to dealing with this and how do you recommend they overcome it? Well, so I I think the biggest challenge, quite
1: honestly, is a lot of people just weren't paying attention. And because we weren't paying attention as, as a class, as entrepreneurs, we didn't start taking action soon enough. I mean, people quite honestly should have, we, we all should have been taking action, say, by January, right? And started our re-engagement campaign then and done these things. So that's the biggest problem. It's just been kind of this. In action, because a lot of people don't know about it, don't right. care about it. I mean, I still talk, I talk and you know, I hear people say, G- what's the GDPR, right? Yeah. And so I get it. I mean, I'm a lawyer. Of course I know these things, but yeah. um, so, so that's issue number one. I, I would say quite honestly, challenge number two is there are lawyers and experts out there who are making it sound a lot scarier than it is and making it sound a lot more complicated than it is. I think part of that is because they want people to hire them to actually do the work. (laughs) And here's what I would tell you, you know, if you are, if you're someone who is in the business of collecting data and, you know, I don't want to say, keep using Google, but if you're more like that model, or if you are one of these email service providers, you have much bigger concerns. And yes, they should hire a lawyer to help them deal with all of these things, right? But for the typical online entrepreneur or small business owner, it's just not that big. I mean, I don't want to say it's not a big deal. There are things we have to take care of, but it's not that scary, you know, and it's the kind of thing you can do yourself, um, with some work. So that's challenge number two. It's kind of cutting through all this challenge. Number three, there's a lot of companies that are trying to use this as a marketing opportunity Mm -hmm. who are basically saying, not lawyers, but are saying, Oh, well you need to do this and that and the other. And so they're trying to sell you their service to do whatever you have to do. So that kind of adds to the noise. Um, at the end of the day, I think what all these have in common is the challenge is simply focusing on it and understanding what you need to do yep. and then start taking steps. And once you start doing that, I think it's not that overwhelming. It's not that complicated for most business owners. So you just need to get that. And that's why I've been talking about it. I put out this training. I've got all of these things to try to help people really understand what is the law about? What do you have to do? And how do you how do you take these steps to actually get it done?
0: And that actually segues really nicely into the next thing I want to talk about, and that is the most important action step someone listening can take, and that is get access to your training, which explains how they need to do what they need to do, and I assume also gives them some kind of a, a tool to assess what they need to do.
1: Yeah, so, so I put together this three-part video training um, that the first first one is like an hour long and it's literally me just slides kind of going through the GDPR and explaining the different concepts so you can really understand it. Um then the second is all about uh, list building. How do we, you know, do the list building things we need to do both the past and the future? I created like mock-up pages that people can see. I awesome. was like 45 minutes long. I mean it's I have a mock-up of an opt-in page and a mock-up of a sandwich page. I show actually what I have very close to what I've now put into my delivery email. And actually I show a sequence of how I kind of split people based upon, you know, do I need to get GDPR or do I need to get a consent from them? So I show that within my system. And then the third is all about the privacy policy. That one's the shortest. It's only about 20 minutes, but it kind of talks about what you need to include in your privacy policy. I put that together just because I kept hearing people in Facebook groups I was in talk about this and need help. And people said, wait, you're giving this away for free. I said, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were, they were blown away. I mean, I think that's why Amy had me on her podcast, which now is why you found me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so if, if people want to grab that, they can just go to youronlinegenius.com forward slash GDPR and okay. it'll take them there. Um, they can, it, it's an opt-in. You can sign up. If you're in the EU, you're, you're not going to get signed up for my mailing list unless you later click on anything else. Just <laughs> if you're outside the EU, you're gonna. Or actually, maybe if you're in the US, I don't remember how my segmenting is set up. You will be added to my mailing list. Just so you know, just but uh, you that. can unsubscribe anytime. Okay, no, I've, so got that. Uh, I've got that for people.
0: Let me just repeat that. It's youronlinegenius.com forward slash GDPR. I'll link to that in the show notes of this episode, and you'll be able to access the show notes of this episode at productiveinsights.com forward slash 160. So I highly recommend you go out and check out Bobby's training. Um, Bobby, you've really given us some great advice And some very actionable advice, more importantly, Uh, I really want to have you back sometime and talk to us about more general things about how we as entrepreneurs can create, um, you know, better quality systems within our business to minimize our exposure, privacy policy being one example. But, you know, you were talking about clicking a button and at the click to wrap thing or click wrap or whatever you call it. So things like that. I'd love to talk to you about that again.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back. I, I, you know, what I do is, is, I try to help entrepreneurs do this, I, I just, I think I mentioned to you in getting ready that I've, I've just been doing a launch. I've rolled out a membership site, which is all about that. So I, cool. I love talking about those things, and I would love to come back and talk with you anytime you want to have me.
0: Well, membership sites is another area of interest for me. So absolutely, uh, I don't think our audience can have anything more entertaining than a lawyer and an accountant having a conversation. So. <laughs>
1: That seems like the the beginning of a joke A lawyer, an accountant,
0: and someone else walk into a bar But we leave that for another day All right, man, thank you so much for being on the show And I really appreciate your generosity Thanks for having me, it was fun Bye Robert Thanks
1: for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode On ProductiveInsights.com You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?